Welcome to episode 557 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Right, team, welcome along to episode 557 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? I'm pretty good for a Monday night, Bevan. I have to say, I'm looking in the background and I see your challenge Wanaka trophy there. I banished that from the lounge. Belinda put it up in the lounge and I said, well, I don't have trophies in the lounge. She's pretty Get it out of there. She's proud of you, mate. She's like, oh, this is a... And you've got your Hawaii. What, what's that thing you got? This can't be Hawaii. Have you got a Hawaii trophy? I got several. I got several size bowls. I haven't got the the, the the size bowl that I want, but maybe I'll get it this year because you get for the seventy point three, you get a small bowl for third, a medium bowl for second, and I think I've got a small and a medium. I haven't got the the big Kahuna yet. If you if you won the big Kahuna, would it become the fruit bowl? Uh, they are pretty decent sized bowls. They are quite nice. I'd take the little plaque thing off, and uh, it may well be that. Yes. No, what you do is just put the plaque around the back, so deep down you know it's there. Yeah, you know, because I've got an award in my bedroom that I want once one, and it's quite a nice little kind of mouldy kind of coral thing, and but the I turn the plaque around the back, no one knows it's a little kind of emblem. <laughs> nice. And I know I won, John. It's just a little reminder. I am talking is proudly brought to you by Athlinks.com. social networking for endurance athletes, extreme endurance, your lactic buffer, and our patrons. And some of these cool patrons are. James, the Red Rocket Thomas, who's coming over to Rope Bevan. You'll get to meet him. I met him in Canada 2014. Oh, looking forward to that. Good old Phil, the rich Uncle Phil Scott. <laughs> Grant Skeletor Baxter. How's this, what's this one? Mystery Mr. E, Ben Walton. What's that? I can't remember that one. Oh, I'm sure it was I, gold, Ben. I'm sure you love it. Yes, I think it must have been. And then Bradley Speedo Odom. Yes, very good. Okay, in this week's show, we got we are doing a show. I'm in Auckland. John's in Christchurch in his office. I'm up in Auckland doing some work, and uh, it's pretty disorganised, John. But it's okay. <laughs> I will survive. Uh, and so we're going to have some news. We're going to have a hot topic of the week. Pretty traditional show, show, John. We've got age group of the week. We've got a statistic, and then maybe some questions and answers at the end. But John, the big thing, and I've got to say. It's not often I'm looking forward to watching a triathlon race. You know, Kona, I make an effort every year that I'm not there. And Olympics are two that I really make an effort on. Occasionally, if another race is kind of, if I'm at my computer and there's like an Ironman, I might just check in, like I'm in New Zealand or something like that. But this weekend, I'm locking in Super League. You've got to lock in your <clears throat> your mate's uh, Sky subscription. Yeah, because this is one thing that I've been really impressed with. Um, from what I can see, is they they posted something on Facebook and I shared it on our I am Talk page as well. They've they've looked like they've really got some great TV deals in terms of getting this live around the world. So in New Zealand, we've got it on uh, Sky Sports. It's on one of the pop up channels. In case you didn't know, I checked yesterday and I think it's uh, six thirty on Friday night. I think it's six thirty Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and it's on uh, Scott one of the Sky pop up channels. So it's we'll, perfect for Kiwis, isn't it? Oh, it's great. And it's also going to be great for you guys in the UK. Um, it'll be sort of 5.30 in the morning on Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So if you're doing early morning training sessions, you'll be able to get in there. It's going to be pretty short action. In terms of how long the whole coverage is, I'm not quite sure, but I'm picking it's going to be about an hour to an hour and a half, I would imagine. Uh, but it's going to be pretty cool. And uh, so time time zones is, uh, is great for, for most people. So for the weekend, for the guys in... America and stuff, it might be a, a little bit late in the night on um, on Friday and Saturday and Sunday, but uh, if you're on the, the Western Coast, probably okay. If you're on the East Coast, might be a bit of a late one. But they've done a great job in terms of they'll have uh, live coverage on their website, on superleague.com as far as I believe, and then they're going to have it across most of the TV networks. So, yeah, check this out. As you said, it's, um, it's not a game changer because it's not something new, but it's – Pretty it's new, it's new in this time, yeah. When's mm. the last time we've seen something like this of this scale with this level of athlete? Mm. And so I, don't, I really don't know how it's going to pan out. I think you'll 
by and large get the the, the usual contenders um, rocking up. But there's some youngsters in there that might have a, a pretty good turn of speed over um, over two to three k's and uh, might be able to do you know ruffle a few feathers there. So in terms of the format, so this is what they're doing on Friday. Um, they are doing a triple mix where it's uh, first race is swim bike run, second race is run bike swim, third race is bike swim run, and that's over 300 meters swimming, biking 6k's and running 2k's, and they've got a 10 minute gap in between those. And then the second day on Saturday, they've got a cycling TT, which has uh, got a good component up a pretty doozy hill, and then they'll do a pursuit race of a swim 300 meters, run 2k, swim 300 bike 6k and run 2k and that's going to be in pursuit format so whatever your time is for your cycling um that's how much uh, of a lead you're going to have if you're the first person and you're 10 seconds quicker then you start 10 seconds in front of everybody else so again uh that one i haven't seen before and uh i'm going to be interested to see how that goes and then on the final day on the sunday they have got a triple try with athletes getting eliminated eliminated after each race so same distances again 10 minute gaps and then a few athletes get eliminated each round so good prize money these guys are all being signed on in terms of contracted athletes so the prize money is one thing but they'll all have especially the big guys will have some some pretty uh decent contracts i would imagine so so when we look at the the start well the athletes competing pretty much itu all the big hitters are there yeah there, there is and what, what i it, First time they've done it, I guess you just got to be uh, you've either got to be a big hitter or you kind of got to be in the in the right sort of crowds to get there. But what from from what I can see, they've really gone to get the big hitters and then they've gone to get a few jun- a few younger athletes. So we've got a young Kiwi and a young Aussie in there, and then they've tried to geographically try to get the big hitters from a lot of the different countries. So it's um, yeah, you wouldn't say every single big dude from the ITU is there but they've got the main ones so you've got the Brownleys although Jonathan Brownlee is uh, is no longer racing I think he's injured you've got Gomez um, you've got Mario Mola Richard Murray and Richard Murray and those guys are your, you know your five biggest dudes on the ITU that are going to win the majority of the races and then you start scanning down you've got Terenzo which you guys will all, um, all know about and then uh, and then we sort of start going through the other athletes which are top ITU dudes you got Ryan Bailey from Australia he's uh, probably there arguably their number one J- Jake Burtwistle who I talked about last week he's only 22 he's sort of an up-and-comer uh, Christian Blumenfeld who I talked about last week as well he's Henry from Schumann. Norway he's an up-and-comer Henry Schumann's an up-and-comer um, Cameron Dye who's America's sort of best non-drafting um, athlete and he, he was a real weapon last year in that Island House try so I think in this format, he'll probably get smoked a bit in some of the short, sharp stuff. But when it comes to that second day, he might be a bit of a weapon. You got Alessandro Fabian, who's a sort of number one Italian dude. Ryan Fisher. There's quite a few Aussies in here because it is in Australia. Uh, then you've got um, Cristiano Grijales, who's the top Mexican dude on the ITU circuit. A guy called Matthew Hauser, who is only 18, don't know too much about him, he's an Australian, and then you've got a young fella from New Zealand, Daniel Hoy. Only 18? 18, yeah, I think he was, he got a medal either at the Youth Olympics or something like that last year. Is is, is he a big hope? Uh, We've got one or two, um, and we're banking on a few of them pretty heavily, there's not (laughs) a lot of depth. Uh, Come on, Daniel! Joe Malloy, who's one of the top uh, Americans, Brent McMahon, which we know he now races long course, but he was a very good ITU athlete, so he's flying the flag for Canada. Then you've got um, uh, the Russians, Polyansky, Dmitry Polyansky and Igor Polyansky. Um, Igor Polyansky's 27 and Dmitry's been around for a while. Those guys are real, real good swimmers. Then you've got another Norwegian dude, uh, uh, Ragnar Narsen. Don't know too much about him. Aaron Royal, who's, again, probably first equal on the Aussie um, team and he had a, he was he was leading over in that Island House race I think after the first or second day he can swim and he's often in that front little group with Brownlee and so co, co. you've got um, Salisburg who's the top Swiss dude Sherman you mentioned Bevan Bevan Shaw uh, Ben Shaw from Ireland uh, then you've got a couple of Dutchies you've got Richard Varga and Josh Amberger sort of rounds it out so a really good mix of a couple of Long distance guys um, with Brent McMahon and uh, Terenzo, but but by and large you got the ITU stars and then a couple of up and comers. So it should be um, should be interesting racing. So a couple, 
who from the from the Iron Man world do you wish was there? Like Frodo, it would have been cool to see him there. I know, I know, it's probably not going to work for him because it's just, he's just not that fast anymore in comparison. Still, would love to see him there. So, any, anyone from Iron Man world that you kind of go, or you just think this is too fast? Ah, it's too fast. Yeah, no, I agree. Frodo would, you know, if we think about the top top guys in Kona, Frodo would keep up. You would think, um, by and large, uh, Keenlay would get spanked out the back door in the swim, as would, you know, likes of Lionel Sanders. So, unless unless they're one of the ITU athletes, uh, but I still think that. Um, that you know Brent McMahon and that will still get popped uh, popped out the back probably. Although having said that, Terenzo Bozzoni did extremely well in the Iron, Iron House, House yeah. race, so you know maybe they'll surprise us a little bit. Well, maybe their endurance pace. I know these races aren't that long, mm. so it's probably not a good argument. But maybe that endurance pace does actually count in an, an event like this. When it comes to day three, it certainly might might do. So day one, they might get a bit <coughs> drilled, but um, by the time they get to day three, uh, maybe the endurance will start to kick in a bit. So, yeah. I guess what's going to be interesting for me is where this series goes to after this weekend. So let's say it's just fantastic. It's an awesome spectacle. We see some dramatic racing, and we see different winners and different tactics and all this stuff, and we just go, woohoo, this is, this is wicked. Where to from here is, is interesting for me. So with the start list this time around, it's very much been invite only, but where does that sort of lead to in the future? Does it based off, um, you know, your ranking within your country? Are you allowed to have one person per country, and then it comes down to some other sort of formula? So I guess that's one thing for me of where it's going to go in terms of how you get into it, uh, and where they do other races around the world, where it's going to sit fit into the season, and then you know the big one is is uh, incorporating females into it as well. So hopefully those questions might get answered after this weekend. But I'm uh, I'm much like you i'm really looking forward to it well and it, it comes from ambition so i don't you know obviously they are trying to build a bigger thing here so it's going to be really fascinating to see as you say hopefully this weekend's a real good advertisement that makes people want to jump on board because i imagine this may even be their loss leader i mean you know obviously they put a lot of time and resource mm. into this uh, and i'm sure you know macker involved he's got some good backers behind him but they're probably using this as a test bed to kind of say that sponsors you know tv channels and all that look we've got a product here that's going to be appealing to the everyday person you know like i think in new zealand in some ways it's unfortunate that it's not on duke because in new zealand we have a channel called duke which is a free tv channel which isn't on one of this pay channels and it's really interesting because they have a lot of american sports on duke now and a guy in my band dave where he had band practice the other night and afterwards ginger, said, oh, ginger dave yeah ginger dave yep you know you met him at a wedding <coughs> that's on, on our wedding invite joe put Ginger Dave, <laughs> so nice. that's, that's how he rolls. But he was saying he'd been watching so much basketball basketball because it's on Duke. Now, I'm sure the American NBA is giving it to Duke pretty much for free because it's basically advertising in a smaller nation where maybe the sport isn't so popular. And so it would have been cool if this was on Duke because imagine if it was on at 6.30 on public time, you know, mm. anyone could watch it. It's still great that it's on TV, but, you know, but long term, I, I really hope this turns into something. Mm, no, absolutely, totally agree. So yeah, get on it, people. Let's get in behind it and uh, and see what we think and support them and see where it's thinking roll. Okay, John, but we had a couple of other races. We had the Subtic Bay seventy point three. Subic Bay, 7.3, and uh, it's in the Philippines. So we had, yeah, not much Ironman racing now until April, I think it is. Uh, Rudy Wilde took it out from Craig Alexander. What a machine. He, he beat out um, Tim Reed, Sven, and Sven Reader. So Sven, Sven, Sven Reader was, uh, he's still a solid ITU athlete. Tim Burke was there, Michael Raylert, Sam Benton, Kyle Buckingham, Richie Nichols. That's a pretty good Bloody field, hell, isn't it? mate. That's, yeah. that's a quality field. Yeah. And uh, Craig Alexander's still getting second, running a 114, only 30 seconds behind Rudy Wilde. Wow. So that's impressive. Nice Girl work, Frank things. Alexander. Girl side of things, uh, I think it was Radka Vitakova. Oh, actually, she's Radka. Uh, who did she marry? She married uh, Carterfelt. Rad, Radford oh. Carterfelt took it out um, from Caroline Stephens. Those two often end up duking it out over there. They always come out of the swim together and bike pretty close. And same thing happened this time around. And then uh, Radka was a bit stronger on the run. I think from last year it was uh, a role reversal. And uh, Dimitri Lee Duke, who we had on the show recently, she was in uh, – in fourth place. And we also had a Buenos and Lionel Sanders took it out. He did indeed. But I guess last week we had Kimberly Morrison on the show talking about uh, her as a bit of an upper She was defending champion and she went out there and went 
pretty solidly. Went 28 for the swim, 216 on the bike, had a ginormous lead, and ran a 129, which I think is a steady day for her. I, I assume she would have wanted to go a little bit quicker, but uh, just got beaten out by Hayley Chura. So Hayley Chura ran her down and only ended up beating her by about 45 seconds. So close finish there on the girls' side of things. And as you said, Lionel Sanders took out the boys' racing. So he's done um, he's done a reasonable amount of racing pretty early in the season, but we know it now know. And I don't know if we mentioned this on the show, but he's definitely not going to Kona. So he's uh, really just focusing on 70.3 this season. So whilst, he's, he, whilst he is the fastest Ironman ever... <laughs> Uh, I know someone who gets really upset with that, John. You shouldn't say it. He is the the current Ironman record holder within America. uh, Within the North America is how I like to view it. And he smoked it. Went to uh, 3.42, beating Rudolf Van Berg and Igor Amarelli. Good times. Okay, John Bowie. So one thing we're going to talk a lot about today is what's happening in the Legacy Program. And, and Ironman have announced a really good kind of inclusion in the Legacy Program. So basically recently we've got some PR. So the Ironman Legacy Program, the Ironman Legacy Program now in its sixth year, and John and I take credit for the Legacy Program, uh, rewards our most loyal athletes with a chance to compete in Kona. These athletes became eligible for selection based on having completed a minimum of 12 iron distance races, never started at the Ironman World Championships, completed at least one full-distance Ironman race in each year of 15 and 16 season and registered for a full-distance Ironman race in 2017. Jeez, it does take a lot to get this. But this year, they have added 100 additional legacy athletes to the annual 100 athletes, meaning now we have 200 legacy slots for the athletes coming through the system, which is really good, isn't it? It's great. So that what we're going to go through here, we got a press release the other day with all the different ways you can get to Kona. And the Legacy Program is, is one of those. So I think it's fantastic that it's gone from 100 to 200. And I, yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's a, it's a great move. You know, those people that have hung in there and uh, kept active racing and had it as a really strong passion. And for the rest of you guys out there, now you know there is actually a path to get to Kona if you're just simply never going to be fast enough to qualify through through um, performance basis. So that's great. And then... Well, the, the, uh, just one other thing. I think it's really good as well because it seemed like in the past the backlog was a bit of a burden. So mm. while you were in the legacy system, you might have had to wait five years to actually get to Kona, which yep. now for someone who's done 12 Ironman, they're obviously going to be in the sport for a while, but the downfall is you've got to almost have committed for three years to get to Kona consistently. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if taking it up to that 200 point, it means that those athletes who do get there are going to get there sooner. And, and to me, that's a really good, you know, we give them a hard time and they need a hard time, but this is really great for those legacy athletes. Because I know for myself, when I hear someone who's done it through legacy, I'm just over the moon for them because if anyone deserves to be in Kona, it's, it's someone who's done the legacy system. Okay, so option number two, you can qualify in China. They have two 70.3 races, one on April the 1st. Nobody will be going to that race, Bevan, because they'll all be getting ready for the uh, Sovereign Sea to Sky race in Christchurch, but a no few brainer. people might might be going. They're going to have 30 qualifying slots there and then another 30 in August. And for me, I don't know, it, I understand that there's not a lot of racing in Asia and China's a big market and they're trying to break into it. So those sort of slots at those 70.3s in Asia where there isn't much racing, I'm kind of okay with it, especially when they are performance-based slots rather than just, you know, here's 30 slots. Anybody that um, rocks up can get amongst it. I, you know, the performance-based ones, so I'm, I'm kind of okay with that. Well, what was really interesting is the next one. So the next one is Japan to Whistler to Kona. And and we've got a lot of, what you know, what the hell fire ones on this one. But some people actually came in with some more insights. So this year... 20 qualifying spots to the Ironman World Championships are up for grabs for Japanese nationals racing at Subaru Ironman Canada. These slots will be allocated based on the athlete's age group ranking upon conclusion of the race. So there's 20 slots, but it's only for Japanese athletes. And and when I first read that, I thought, what the hell? I was, I was going, what the hell for? I was on this one. <laughs> but then yeah. someone did email us and say there's no Ironman in Japan now. So that's the reason they've done this. It's interesting they've chosen Canada as the race. Oh, there's a very strong Japanese population in Canada. Yeah, okay. yeah, especially in uh, in Vancouver. Well, it's in near Vancouver. Whistler's near Vancouver. But so. you still have to be a Japanese national, so you've had to have come from Japan. Mm. So I kind of get that one as well. You know, I don't know. Yeah, I guess why Japan as opposed to, you know, why not? Uh, 20 slots for Taiwanese nationals or people from um, Taiwan or uh, that's, that's I don't a know. One, I, I, yeah, because. 
Japan traditionally has been one of the – that was one of the first five, wasn't it? It was. And it's it's a bit – you know, I, I've raced in Japan a few times and the races are hugely popular over there. They always have ITU races over there as well. So I guess it's a pretty important market for them to make sure they're still looking after it. So again on this one, when it's qualifying slots based on performance – I kind of get it, and I think this will be a bit of a short-term um, solution for until they get an Ironman back in Japan. So I kind of understand that I one. The question is, why is it taking so long to get an Ironman back in Japan? If it is so popular and it gets so much support, because it's been a couple of years now, hasn't it? Yeah, I, can't, I wouldn't wouldn't know off the top of my head. But, and it's um, so good at putting races on. Like It's not like WTC or, or Wonder Sport struggles to put races on. So it's kind of curious to see what's the hurdle that's stopping them getting a race back in Japan, because... Yeah, if you're um, in Japan, let us know. Okay, so last week we mentioned Hono to Kona, and that's basically ten slots for entering. And we did get a few people saying you, you don't actually have to race; you can just enter. So I think someone was pulling your leg there, Bevan. Oh, I you think, think you they missed were? the joke. They, oh. I think someone said you send in a postcard. You don't even, uh, and, and they'll put you in the draw. So yeah, um, as I mentioned last week, not happy about that. However, if you get one of those slots. High fives to you. You're off to Kona. Good on you. I just don't like that they're uh, putting people in that situation. Then you've got 2017 bonus Kona slots. This year, bonus slots to the Ironman World Champs were allocated to a few selected race, races in different regions. So we've had we've mentioned Kona there. Same deal with Ironman Boulder. And then you had Ironman Australia. And they all had just 10 slots for Kona just by entering and turning up. And that is crap. And they're also... It looks like they're going to be have a special opportunity for athletes racing in Ironman Maastricht, which is in Holland on August the 6th, which I'd imagine will just be another 10 slots that appear out of uh, thin air. Um, that sort of stuff really gets me frustrated by simply entering. I would much rather see that sort of, you know, if they've got happened to have 30 or 40 slots, put them into the legacy program or put them into um, performance-based races at, at performance-based results at certain races, but um, just throwing 10 slots to try to get people to enter is rubbish, in my opinion. You find that rubbish, don't you, John? That gets you fired up a little bit, doesn't it? Mm. Now, this next one, this is, um, as far as I can see, this is sort of the solution to the um, the lottery. So Ironman Kona drawing benefiting the Ironman Foundation. This year, the Ironman Foundation is offering 10 Kona slots, does have a little asterisk there, yep. through a drawing with a suggested tax-deductible donation of $50 to benefit the Foundation's charitable givebacks in communities around the world. The drawing opened on Friday the 24th of Feb and will finish on Friday the 24th of March. Selected athletes will be announced on the 31st of March. Additional information on the drawing can be found at ironmanfoundation.org slash 17. 2017-kona-drawing slash yeah so as far as my understanding of that is you pay 50 bucks uh make a $50 donation to the Ironman Foundation and you're in the draw to win 10 slots so it's I don't see how that's that much different to the yeah. uh to the lottery there's a lot about tax deductible in here um yeah um, it does seem exactly the same doesn't it so, yeah, so if you do want to be basically in the old lottery system, there is only 10 slots there. Uh, you can cough up 50 bucks. No, I think the key word here, John, is with a suggested donation of. <laughs> and it's text of that. I think that's the key sentence there. So, right. you know, technically, I imagine you can go into this draw without doing the donation. And in theory, I imagine they have to put you in the draw. Right. You get what I mean? Yeah. So then it's yep. not a lottery. So, yeah, yep. with a suggested tax-deductible donation of $50 to benefit the foundation's charitable givebacks in communities around the world. So I think that's the key. I, I'd be really curious to see if you enter the draw without doing the donation. And Why you don't you do that? You enter it. <laughs> <laughs> well, if I win, I'm going to have to go there, John. Um, I know. Yeah, that's, I, I think this, I'd be really curious to see if you can enter it without doing the donation. Mm. Yeah, very curious on that one because yeah. technically I don't think they can turn you down based on what happened a couple of years ago, although I'm not a lawyer. So maybe one of our lawyers on the show could maybe give us a bit of a feedback on that one. Okay. The next one is the physically challenged open ex exhibition division drawing. Five physically challenged athletes from around the world will be drawn to receive entry to the Ironman 2017 World Championship. So obviously they'll just probably put their name in the bag and then go from there. I would have thought you could have more than five for that division. I mean, they're. Great they, interest stories, they, great inspirational stories. Do they have qualification stories? spots? 
there is a little bit of qualification around the world as well. So, um, yeah, certainly got no problem with that one for me. No, no. Uh, next one is the Ironman Foundation annual Kona auction, starting bids at 25000 That's so <sighs> we can uh, buy yourself or go in the, the draw to buy yourself a slot. So, yeah. So imagine the 25 k drawings to one. throw around. <laughs> Oh, man, yeah, like that. and there's only a couple of slots there, and yeah, I kind I kind of understand that one. It is raising quite a bit of money for um for good causes. Then you have got the Women for Try initiative, minimum opening bid twenty five thousand. The slot will be auctioned off once the auctions for the other four slots have concluded on April 29th. And then the Women for Try also have uh, the right to allocate one additional slot to a female of. Has both embodies the spirit for women for try through a compelling personal story and motivates and inspires other to try and raises or contributes at least twenty five thousand for the women of try tax deductible effort. So basically, with those options there, there's what a six six or so slots. If you got twenty five k or more to to throw at it, then you're in. And then uh, there's two other methods. One is through the Ironman Executive Challenge. Once again, the Ironman Executive Challenge will be allocating 25 slots for the Ironman World Champs. And this is another one that I, mate, if you get it, you go for it. I've coached athletes that have got in this way before, and it's fantastic for them. Good on you playing by the rules. I, I should have done my research here, but it's it's sizably more than, uh, than just entering a race. So you've basically... To be fair, it is a qualification race. Uh, you've got to qualify to get in. So you go and do a race where the executive challenge is operating at. And then if you, there'll be, say, X number of slots at each of those races. And if you're the first few to, to do it, um, you're in. So it is the fastest executive challenge. You can't just buy your way in with that one. But it just seems like an odd division to, to have. But if it's there, you play by the rules. And if that's a path to get into Kona, Good luck and uh, and go for it. But I just think it's – I'd rather see those slots uh, be distributed elsewhere myself. And then we also had um, one that someone sent in that wasn't on the press release was around how uh, Hawaiian locals can get in and they have a certain number of slots. I think it was 44 off the top of my head um, for Hawaiian athletes to be able to get in. And this person, remember who it was that sent it in, sort of saying this is a bit crap. But – Having been to Kona and, and seen what it's all about, you've got to have that that real good buy-in from the local community. Otherwise, that event's really going to struggle. So they have 24 entrants shall be selected who are resident of the Big Island, and 20 entrants shall be selected from those eligible those eligible entrants eligible entries who are residents of Hawaii but do not reside on the Big Island. So 44 slots available to locals and uh, and those in and around uh, the Hawaiian Islands. So, yeah, it's it's other places around the world. You can kind of buy your help in if you needed to, but over there you've just got to have that community support for all the aid stations. They have how many thousand um, support people do they have over there? It's just it's insane. Yeah. There's more more support staff than there is athletes. Well, and, and that's always shown in the the support dinner. So that mm. you know when we go to the post race function, you know there's thousands of people there, and actually the supporters dinner is more than that. And often you have the races and the supporters at the post race dinner. So it kind of shows reflects how many people actually go in to put this race together. Okay, so John, while you were talking, I did some research into the cost of the Ironman Executive Challenge. I'm going to say five grand, but I, I'm just going to pluck that Well, we have box. to inflate it a little bit because the only time I could actually find was back in 2009. So this is kind of eight years yeah. old. But no, you're, even in 2009, it was six and a half. So you're probably dropping 10K nowadays. Mm, mm. You know, so and, and for that, you get some coaching. You, you know, there's a package around. And if, you know what? If you want to drop 10K, good on you. Yeah, but yeah. what? Yeah, I don't like that the executive challenge myself. But at least you do have to qualify. It's not like you're just buying your slot to Kona. You got to go and do the executive challenge at whatever Ironman Whistler or wherever it might be, and then you got to qualify there. So there is a qualifying standard there. But as I said, I'd much rather those slots go to other races. It's just becoming such a lottery at these Ironmans when there's only sort of thirty or forty slots. Um, just for those, yeah, it's just do bloody you know, hard to get in. Well, okay, someone who's listening will know. Do they actually all the 25 slots for the Ironman World Championship in the Executive Challenge go every year? Mm. Be really I'd say yes. Do you, you think they would? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Okay, yep. well, we can, if someone knows, let us know. Okay, John, so that's that's very much, if you're looking to get the Kona, you've got 25K in the bank, or you're going to have to do 12 of these buggers, or you're going to have to be <laughs> bloody fast. That's, that's the conclusion there. Find your angle and get there. I have to say, um, 
for those who have never been there, it is a life experience that, that you'll take with you forever. It's a bloody cool race. So, you know, some of the ways you can get there, we don't necessarily agree with. Other ways we really like. But overall, if you get there, it, you know, it's a massive achievement no matter how you did it. Exactly. Now, so, I've, I've only got one entrant into the what the hell files this week. And I, don't, I don't get why you're so angry with this one. Well, Okay, so the Ironman sent out a press release. Uh, Ironman, a wonder sports holding company, announced today that Matthew Van Ven has been named the newly created position of Chief Revenue Officer for Ironman. Van Ven will begin his new role with the company on the 13th of March. He started today, Bevan. He started today. And he already gets negative feedback. (laughs) (laughs) Your first report is we don't like you. I had to find something to, to rant about this week. Chief Revenue Officer, have you ever heard that title before? Especially in a sporting organisation when people are complaining about having to pay hand over fist for, for entries and just getting rogered all over the place. Well, John, and then they have a title called Chief Revenue Officer? Well, John, if you're Wikipedia this, this term, a Chief Revenue Officer or a CRO is a corporate officer slash executive responsible for all revenue generating processes in an organization. So that's what his role is, John. Just just seemed odd to me that A, you've got that title, and B, you'll send out a press release about it. Anyway, John. pretty weak on what the hell this week. I need some more content next week. Well, John, you are the CRO of your house. This is true. Yeah, and, and, yeah. and my house is a bit more even, you know, because... Joe works probably harder than I do, so, so you know, there you go. That's not your, your strongest what the hell. No. no, no. I might say my what the hell was what the hell was with that what the hell. <laughs> Great. <laughs> you, need, you need to set your bar higher. Okay, yeah. John, sponsor. Athlinks.com. You found a new innovation, haven't you? I did, and this so they're they're doing some upgrades on Athlinks in terms of how they lay the results out. And one thing I just stumbled on yesterday was – if you go to a race that you've participated in and if you've got friends and stuff that have done that race as well, same day, when you go to the results, you can go results all and you, you could get them elsewhere as well. But we know that it's great to keep them all in one place on Athlinks. But then you can filter by friends. So oh, that's cool. a cool function. So I just went to Kona in 2014 and uh, and just clicked on the friends and uh, it just shows me the people that have befriended me within uh, Athlinks and so it just filters those results down. So like you might say to me, how did you know? I know the Philinator raced over there. Um, where did he finish? And it'll take me bloody ages to scroll through. The only thing that matters there is he finished in front of me, according to everybody. Um, and likewise with uh, Rob Green, the spine tingler, he also finished in front of me. So it just filters. You know, if you can get your mates and stuff to be on Athlinks, to be friends with you, whether it be the Hawaii Ironman, whether it be your local sprint triathlon, it's just you can go in there really quickly and then just press press uh, your friends only on the results and it'll just filter them so you can see uh, who you're up to. Remember Barbara Nielsen, Jet yeah. Rocket? Yep. She, she 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 shows me her result there. She did fifteen oh nine. Who else have we got on here? Bj Christensen, big, yep. uh, yeah. big tall, tall dude. He raced last last year with a broken arm. He was nine thirty nine. Um, Scott Bow. So if you befriend me and you're at the races, then you can do this as well, and you'll be able to find exactly how you compare against me or any of your other friends. So and, and where cool that could be feature. really cool is like you know like maybe in your little small local races, it's probably not such a valuable tool. But if you go to like a big city marathon. <clears throat> you'd probably be surprised of how many people have raced the same race of you and maybe even in the past you know and so mm. if you, all your friends are on for like for, um, Athlinks and they're all connected you might go back into I did New York Marathon back in 2010 and you go see all your mates and you realise your mate did it you can have a good yarn about the race so it's just a cool way to connect isn't it absolutely so check it out what year did we do Ironman New Zealand it was uh, 2005 two th- uh, it was 2004 and it was we did it again in 2009, didn't we? Well, I can actually no, just go. No, because I gave up in 2008. It must be 2007. Well, luckily I can go onto my uh, profile and I can uh, go to my profile and I can figure this out. So, okay, Bevan, what, what's happening in Auckland? What are you doing in Auckland? I'm doing supermodel for Tourism New Zealand. Tourism New Zealand. So if you come to New Zealand, you might see me on you. It was actually funny. I was on Facebook a few weeks ago and a friend had put a post up saying, should I do this, which is come to New Zealand. And she lives in America. And I said, you should, because look who's in the photo. And it was <laughs> supermodel Bevan James Isles. So anyway, what have you found? I, I'm, so I'm, it was 2007 we did it. Okay. And uh, I'm just we loading We both thought we were going to be strong. And we both we did. <laughs> we both blew up big time. And if I can go on to here. And what what else are you doing in Auckland this week? It's just modelling and you're coming home to see your lovely wife tomorrow? It's strange. I come out to Auckland for a day and I'm here. 
and then I mm-hmm. go down south for Friday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So mm-hmm. yeah, so that's about it. Just more supermodel. It's a hard life being a supermodel, John. Uh, absolutely. Right, I'm, doing, I'm, I'm doing biking. How are you going? You, you got the? I'm, I'm getting that right there. Friends, there let's see how many friends I had in 2007. Okay. How many friends? None, none of my <laughs> friends participated in this event. Oh, hold on. I haven't selected the event yet. Uh, I, I had no friends that. in 2007. No, I have got friends now. Yes. Our friends. Yeah, great no, I no, I haven't actually. Uh, anyway. Okay, well, I'll, I'm your friend, John. I'm Good. your friend. Good. Okay, guys, athlinks.com. Check it out. Get your friends involved, and it's just a great resource, not just for your own results, but to see what you're doing with your mates. Okay, so last week's discussion, I had a friend called Christina, her husband... Um, what's that? Oh, I've totally forgot. Jeremy, her husband Jeremy had sardines and wheat picks for breakfast because he's an athlete and your food is your fuel. And so that got me thinking, what have been some of the strange meals that you have had because your fuel is just your food or your food is just your fuel? So, John, do you want to go first? I certainly do. Robert St. Uh, St. Dennis, what is spaghetti, which is uh, tin spaghetti we have in New Zealand, and yep. two squeezable tubes on my special needs bag on the bike and one on the run? That's disgusting. I have Weird, to admit, but, cold spaghetti is quite nice, but... Oh, really? Weird, but does the job. Easy to digest and feels semi-solid. The volunteer at Challenge Monica had a bit of a laugh, and I told him it's much better than baked beans with a totally different effect. <laughs> Don't forget... Uh, to have to have a bit of salt for good measure. Okay, Dave Meenan's got, it totally depends on your body size. Us largies who train for an Ironman while trying to lose weight still struggle with, struggle with nutrition. I personally hate it when some fellow athletes say they can't eat enough while I have to actually gain weight while training for a bloody Ironman. So there you go. <laughs> Skip Slade says, lunch is a tin of sardines packed in olive oil and half a pound of steamed broccoli. Ugh. If I have an avocado, I'll mash it up into half of a small one to put it on top. Jeez, I bet you're not very popular at work having sardines. God, if I had to sit next to somebody who had oh, sardines. I was once at the movies, John, and I was at the movies once, and a guy opens a can of sardines next to me. Yeah. was not Yeah, at a movie. Go to yeah. Andy Blasquez. He's got, as a vegan, um, I don't know if this is harder or easier. Truth is, guys, if I had this nailed, I'd be 5kg lighter on my way to Kona. And let's be honest, vegan, vegans, they're pretty light. If you're overweight as a vegan, you really need to look at your diet. Good old Richard Swan. I was one of those guys that would eat a can of Aunt Betty's creamed rice at afternoon tea to fuel up for a long run after work. Oh, so, totally. so creamed rice is, is full of a lot of sugar as well as processed rice as well. And it's bloody good. Um, yeah. Good old Simon Early. What was his name? Probably Mot- Motormouth, I think it was. Like, yeah, it has to be, doesn't it? Oily fish is the only reason I eat it because it's good for me. There you go. It's a good answer. Get Ben Cobra, I love my pre-race be- breakfast, baked sweet potato, nothing wrong with that, or in New Zealand Coomera with sliced banana and tahini. Good old Christine the Grinder McKinley has got peanut butter with anything, even if it's smeared on a stick of celery. I'm a bit like that with peanut butter. Peanut butter is God's food. It is, and especially now you've been converted to the oh, top and high-end stuff. Well, I don't know if I've been converted. I appreciate it. I'm still too cheap, John. Yeah. Still too cheap. Uh, got a fin- finswager, put peanut butter on everything, a good fat. Got exactly. old Adam Waite, he's got the photo, and listen to this, eggs on oats. Oh, yeah. yeah interesting. And he looks like he's those those eggs, doesn't he? I wonder if those oats are sort of sweet or just plain, like if he's got any, yeah, interesting. Uh. That, that is, that, that's, that one's a one so far. Well, I know the sardines are pretty gross. Yeah. Uh, Lucy Fry says, coconut oil and coffee. Sacrilege. What's it? Bulletproof? You had a bulletproof coffee? No. It's where you put cream and butter in coffee. Oh, really? Yeah, and it, it was all the fad before the paleo people with the bulletproof coffee. And I haven't actually tried it, but it sounds like it'd actually be quite scrummy. <laughs> you know, it'd be yeah. quite, you know, probably be a bit sick of afterwards, but yeah. Um, okay, John, what, what about you? What about me, Bevan? What about you first? I haven't uh, given well, this great deal of thought well, yet. To be honest, it's not a strange combination, but years ago, John, I did bodybuilding, and you know the effects have lasted for life because my guns are pretty huge, and mm. um, I basically went on. I had this guy, a trainer called Warren Thin, who was quite renowned in New Zealand as being a bit of a hard ass trainer. Like I have to admit, that guy taught me mental toughness. God, he used to kill us, and he had me on a diet where I basically ate chicken, rice, protein powder, and at night I'd have green veggies, and I had that. For eight weeks, and that's all I ate. 
<laughs> that was all I ate. It was basically chicken, rice, protein powder. And, and I tell you what, he sold a lot of protein powder because you got the protein powder of him. So it was a good little business. I was yeah. literally having like eight protein powder shakes a day. And I went from that and then I went from trying to put on muscle and then went to basically decarbing for another six weeks after that. It was I was miserable. Mm. Yeah. I just look back on my early you know, youth being a, a triathlete you know because i got into triathlon when i was sort of what, 14 or so so it's been it's been a pretty long innings so far 26 years think, mate yeah i think back to now the way that we used to eat in terms of it was just carbs 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 and i'm and, and i'm not going on and on about low carb high fat but back then you know it was cereal and toast for breakfast you know sandwiches and uh stuff for lunch bread after school to get ready for training and then dinner was you know a car could be a carb dominated meal through maybe having a pasta or um meat and three veg so it was just carb crazy back then it was uh, crazy and and that's the messages you got from you know what you see you obviously the internet wasn't around then but just you heard you know carbs are king and you just got to eat as many as you possibly can so i don't really have any icky stories of stuff crazy stuff that i've tried but just um it's nice to have a more balanced diet these days, Bevan. I remember I was doing an acting course. I went to an acting course, John, and uh, I told the guy I was eating, and he goes, my, my, my acting tutor, and he goes, why would you do that? <laughs> he just looked at me like, you're a strange person. Okay, mm. John, so this week's discussion, John, Phil and Ada kind of inspired this one, so tell us about it. Yeah, so I was running with Phil and Ada last week, and we have a go out for our Monday afternoon run up and down a hill, which takes us, but today we went out there and it's pissing down with rain, Bevan, and uh, we do three times up and down Major Aitken Drive, which takes us about eight and a half to nine minutes to get to the top and run back down, do that three times through. And we're coming down one of the reps, and he said, oh, I listened to your Peter Reid interview again over the weekend. I was, um, I was finishing up saying and I had a little bit of extra time to kill and I just was listening to it while I was finishing it off and he said it's about the third or fourth time I've listened to it it's just awesome if ever struggling to think of something to listen to I'll go back and listen to that and I said oh you've just given me an idea and he said you should um see what everybody else thinks what are their most favorite uh, interviews we've ever had and so then I thought well Bevan's got his honeymoon coming up and we're going to be going to be a bit of a struggle for a few weeks for us to get a show out so we're going to try to pre-record everything mm. and so my objective there is each week we're going to have an interview a new interview and then I figured why don't we tack on some of your most favorite interviews we know that you can go back and um, listen to them on Legends of Triathlon and find them on I Am Talk but for a lot of new people they won't go back to those and it's he just says he, he picks up something new from Peter Reddy every time he listens to. Oh, that was a great interview, wasn't it? So so what we want to know is is your top male interview, probably male athlete interview you've listened to, top female athlete interview, and your best sort of non-athlete interview that you've had. You don't have to name all three, but just give us your sort of three three best all-round interviews that we've done, and we will look at uh, the most popular ones. We'll try to repeat sort of as we go through June when Bevan's away. Peter Reed's interview on Legends is just raw honesty. It's it's such a great interview. And Peter Reed, the really cool thing was because when we first started our show, the first big interview was Karen Balance, who was an mm-hmm. Ironman New Zealand winner. And then we got Melina. And I remember we got Melina, and the audio file just went to crap. And so I spent like, and it was such a big <laughs> thing to get Melina on. But we knew those guys, so that was a big thing. But then when we got Peter Reed, that was mm-hmm. because he was our first big interview and that was like we were kind of amazed you'd want to come on the show eh John remember that mm, mm, oh those were the exactly. days when we were young and innocent okay John let's go so, three... ben, ben, did I ever tell you about the Laguna Phuket Triathlon <laughs> <Peter Ridge? laughs> no <laughs> tell me more um, so one two three age, age group of, of the week so Peter Clifford is, is a top Australian coach he's based in Sydney and he's got uh, I think his HTP uh Something like that. I should probably figure that out. But he's a big, he got a big triathlon group over in Sydney, and he's also an ITU development coach. He goes a lot through Asia and all those parts of the world, and works with development athletes. Now, admittedly, this guy is a bit more than your typical age grouper. His name is how would you say it, one John? Ahmed Mardini. Mardini. He lives in Aleppo. So mm. this this young man, Peter sent me through a photo just saying, check out this guy. He lives in a lipo and he's doing triathlon stall. So basically, I said to Peter, I, I sent him an email saying, look, I want to put this guy's age group of the week. Uh, and Peter said, well, I'll see if I can get some information on him. He doesn't speak great English, so good luck in understanding this. Me talking, Ahmed, but uh, but basically, he just came and he said, look. He lives in Aleppo, he travels a little, he's a development ITU athlete, uh, 
basically Damascus to, he does blocks of Damascus to swim. The situation is very difficult to training about the running, wait a second, the running training is only in a closed 300 meter track. The biking is so dangerous that if you want to train in a street, you don't want to train in the street. So he's training at home at around five kilometer laps and the swimming is in a pool and it's so cold and summer it's um, so hot and better. Uh, he, but the will is stronger than everything. Uh, I can't, but I can't train. Try train. Try training very well because the mind is busy in life and he's a college student as well, challenge, uh, doing pharmacy and in times of tournament to go to Damascus for training better but require it's obviously a financial expense. But to me, <coughs> this guy represents what triathlon's about because we can't even comprehend what it's like to live in that world right now. Like it's it's just atrocious and horrible and, and everything that's bad about humanity. And uh, this young man is just it's just awesome, isn't it? It is. So Ahmed Mardini, yeah, living in Aleppo, trying to train for triathlon, and it's great that. The ITU are out there supporting people, you know, in all these far-fetched countries, especially in the Lipo, where there's just, as you said, horrific war going on. And uh, but they do this all over the world, so I think it's just such a big credit to, to ITU really that they, is, that they do this. Because mm. I know Peter, so. I know Peter quite well, and he, and he heads all around, all over the place, you know, developing young athletes and developing coaches and stuff like this, and it's really important work. And it's one of the benefits of having a more of a an international governing body organisation running a sport than uh, someone who's trying to make profit and who has a, a chief revenue officer. And, uh, <laughs> and, and the reason, and, and the reason is, is that ITU have no interest in developing people in this part of the world unless they, I mean, sorry, WTC or Wanda Sports, a holding company, um, because there's no profit. We're Whereas, you know, this young man in his own community can inspire young kids and, and other people around him. And mm. it's just, it's to me, it's just really, really awesome stuff. So, Ahmed, you are our age group of the, of the week. week. And thanks to Pete for sending him through. Okay, John, stats It's fantastic. It's, it's fantastic. fantastic. 1996, Bevan. Okay, this wait a second. What were you stat? doing in 1996? 1996. I, I, I think I was giving up drugs. I was studying and I was getting ready for. I went to the World Champs in ninety. I went to the World Champs in ninety six. I went to. Yeah. I went to World Champs Juniors in Wellington ninety six. It didn't go in ninety five. It was in Perth, I think, in nineteen ninety six. Went over to Cleveland, Ohio. Did you really? And and raced the World Champs over there, and also went to Japan that year. Met Peter Robinson. Went and did a race in Japan. Peter Robinson and I were both juniors. And uh, was smoking him in the swim and the bike, and then he ran past me pretty quickly, um, and uh, and then he went on to, to to hire things, and I didn't, and and then what else we then we went to Cleveland World Champs, and uh, yeah, it was a good year. What was Cleveland like? And we didn't do much. We went up to Flagstaff, Arizona, did a training camp up there, and then went to Cleveland, and it was pretty dumb, yeah, pretty average course to be honest. It was uh, not that riveting. Did you get a chance to look around? Uh, not really, no, no. We were there to race, and then we got the hell out of there. Uh, yeah, and that's back back then. You know, I was what eighteen, nineteen. I was more focused on the girls and just doing the race and uh, than doing tourist stuff. <laughs> oh, well, we had totally contrasting lifestyles in '96, John, because I was a big. That's when I'm right into my drugs. That's 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 when it's all the wild stuff's happening. Uh, I think I'd left school. I wasn't working that much. There wasn't much ambition. I got a girl uh-huh. pregnant at the end of '96. You know, so yeah. so I was, I was, yeah, I was, I was a good young man. <laughs> you it, was a water, it was a watershed year all round because in 1996 it was the first European winner of the Ironman in Kona. Wow, so that would and, have been pretty big. Yeah, and interestingly, at '96. Uh, when I was over there in Cleveland, Ohio, there was a breakaway group on the bike, and I think it was Lessing, Carter, and one or two others. And then they got away, and they just drilled it, and Lessing just annihilated everybody. Then there was this massive pack, and there was this one dude who just smoked it, and I'm pretty sure it ran into second place, and he was Luke Van Laird. So 1996, I'm pretty sure he got second at the World Champs, but he then went on to become the first European winner of the Ironman in Kona 
on debut. It was an amazing performance, and he became the first athlete to win that event and set a new course record of 8.04.08 in 1996 until Crowey broke that uh, a few years ago. So I think Luke Van Laird, you know, we often talk about Mark Allen and Peter Reid and um, and Tim DeBoom and, and all the English-speaking athletes. Um, but Luke Van Laird was sensational. It was just the most dominating performance that he put in there. And also he raced in Rote and set and broke the course record in Rote in 1997, going 750, where he swam 44, rode 428, and ran 2.36 plus the transitions. So 750 back in that day was an amazing time. And I just think that he probably doesn't get as much credit because he didn't really stick around on the scene once his career had finished. He's now back there doing coaching and stuff, but in that period immediately after, um, he wasn't didn't really have a particularly long career at the very top. You know, when I look at his results, um, you know, it's all sort of 1996 to 1999, and outside of that, there's not a great deal. I know that he was developing in those those years before that, but um, yeah, it was a relatively relatively short career. So he got second in the world champs in 96. He wins Kona. Did he go back and do ITU or, or Olympic distance again? No, but, uh, no, he didn't. Uh, or not. He, he, if he did, he didn't have any significant success. So you got to remember, 96 was only the second year of drafting. Um, and prior to that, 95 was the first year in Mexico. And then, uh, then it sort of moved into, you know, everybody's getting ramped up for, for the Olympics. So those, those sort of later 19... 90 years and once I think you win Kona, you know, your, your priorities probably change a little bit. So pretty sensational career. It's pretty short-lived and we will be trying. I have, I have tried before to try to find him and get him onto Legends of Triathlon and, and one day we'll get him on there. And, uh, Do you know what happened to him in 97? Because you, uh, you had the Germans take it out, first, second and third. You had Hal Regal, Zach and Leader, or Leader, both our leader. Um, I'm just kind of curious to see what happened to him. And then came back. he came back in 98 and got second to Peter Reid. 199 in pretty good fashion. Well, the 90, 96 was a pretty fast year because Hal Regal got so Luke Van Leer did an 804, Hal Regal did oh, 806, or oh, Welsh was another 12 minutes back. So it was just those two. Mm. But yeah. Mm. Yeah, so I can't remember off the top of my head what happened in 1997, but um, pretty spectacular career. And he's he's also coached um, Marino van Holnacker, Ivan Rana, um, Will Clark, Michelle Vesterby, and uh, also Frederick van Leerd in the year where I think he finished, uh, where he, I think it went the year might, maybe he, he won it, he was maybe coaching him. So getting right into his coaching, and hopefully we have him on Legends of Triathlon one day. Oh, interesting stat, John. There we go, 96, eh? 1996. Seven, I started to change. Eight, 98, John. I'm a new man. <laughs> okay. Uh, what have we got next? In- oh, no, interviews for next week. Uh, <laughs> I'm going down to website, website of the week. week. Okay, John, so you got an email here from someone. They're saying, I don't know if you are aware of this organization, which promotes clean sports for professionals, coaches, and amateurs. I'm pretty sure we had them on the show, John. Uh, it's a free to join, and to my knowledge, it's the only way age group athletes can make a stand against doping, and it's cleansport.org slash join us. So this this website's got a couple of different things on it. It's Part of it is about you making a pledge if you if you want to get involved in this you know we've had lots of last week or the week before we've had these uh, age groupers getting busted for for taking drugs and we've had similar things happen and we know we haven't all got our heads in the sand we know that uh, doping in age groupers is uh it is, it is happening, and it's probably happening more than a lot of us realise. And this is one way where you can get involved and sort of put your pledge that you're um, not taking drugs and you support all the initiatives around um, clean sport. So you can donate to this cause, or you can also get yourself certified, um, whether you're a coach, whether you're an athlete, or you know, however you might be involved in the sport. And there's a certification process you can go through to to really say that you are clean. So I think it's a it's a great initiative and um and it's just one way because you know it is really hard when you just out here going how can i make a little bit diff- a little bit of a difference but if you know if everybody got in behind this cleansport.org then it's going to give them a you know much louder voice to, to to go to the authorities and say hey you know we are serious about uh trying to clean up drugs in the sport so if you're one of those people check it out cleansport.org and if you've ever read any of dan ariali's work who, who's the guy who did a lot of kind of um, 
Predictably Irrational is one of his books. And he talks a lot about if you put an ethics in front of, if you get someone to remind themselves of their professional ethics before quite regularly in their career, they much, make much better kind of ethical choices in their career. So if you get a lawyer to every day to read the ethics kind of, I'm not sure what the actual statement is, and there's probably a term for it, but they actually don't, they do less kind of corrupt behaviour. And I know this is, you know, this is one of those things where, you know, it could just be kind of a, you know, something that's a waste of time. But actually, if you kind of commit to something like this, in some ways it does hold you to a standard. Now, the only downfall is that probably most people who are going to go to a website like this are the types of people who aren't going to cheat. But, you know, it is mm. just another way of getting the message out there, and, and it's obviously pretty important. Yeah, so Clean, Clean Sport Collective is a community of powerful voices comprised of athletes, brands, events, clubs, fans, and public to support the pursuit of a clean sport and athletics through the absence of performance-enhancing drugs. With the help of our partners, we will look together to bring the importance of clean sport to the general public through awareness, testing, industry advocacy and restoration and uh so take action awareness is the first step our sports do have a problem with performance enhancing drugs but together we can fight for a positive change so yeah if that rings your bells get involved ring my bell um john let's do it three two one wanger of the week week. right we've got a different tone for each thing we've got stats statistic we've got which side of the week and now wanger of the week wanger of the week that sounds like a right. bit of a kind of the farmyard man. Get up the wing of the week. Okay, Jombo, you went to random.org, you pulled out the number, and the number is six. So what is it this week? It's the swinger. Oh, the old swinger. <laughs> oh, throw the keys in the bowl. <laughs> yeah, the most run time. So if you want to get involved in this, you need to be on Strava. You need to make sure that you're in our uh, I Am Talk group. What do you do then... with settings, John? Because I've joined it, but I'm still not coming up. And you said something about your settings? You got to be have your uh, profile being public, so sure then uh, I'll, I'll have a look. Maybe we can do that off here because we did the same thing last week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so if you want to get involved in this, as I said, you need to be part of Strava, upload your workouts there, be part of the I'm Talk group uh, on Strava, and make sure your profile is public, and then you can be amongst all the different things. So the swinger this week, well, it's going to be he is the he is the king swinger, and he's going to be the swinger every week until he finishes his uh, little challenge. Jim Plunkett Cole, who is a guy who is doing the Forrest Gump run around America, uh, but he only just took it out this week, so. Yeah. Jim Plunkett took a uh, He only had four activities, uh, and he ran for 12 hours and 6 minutes and 42 seconds. Um, Eamon Pipegrass, uh, 12 yep. activities, and he did 11 hours 52. And Kenny Weir in Australia we had five activities. So he also ran uh, some pretty long runs there, 10 hours and 51 minutes. Oh. Girl side of things, Rachel Cunningham, um, 6 hours 55, Kim Anderson Hadley, 5.52, and good old Melissa Uri in 3 hours and 7 minutes. Good times, rock and roll. So if you want to get on it, make sure you check out our Facebook page, and we've got to, oh no, sorry, our Strava page, and you've got to go to www.iamtalk.me, and there's a link on there so you can join it, and uh, yeah, get your activities in there. It's a good little fit club. I have to say, I've just joined up to Strava, John, and it is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I went for a run in Nelson yesterday, or I was up in Nelson for a wedding last weekend, went into Nelson, and I did this all K repeats, and it was a really good, actually I put up my Strava, it's awesome little kind of two and a half minute up, and one, minute, one and a half minute down, it was a perfect little hill repeat, and I got second, and I didn't know I was in the race, because if I did, John, I wouldn't, <laughs> I didn't realise you could kind of claim spots, and I well could have got within it, could have had the, had, what do you get, like a, a championship trophy or something? Yeah. So, uh, I could see this is definitely going to become a wing of competition for me. <laughs> that's the whole point of it so, <laughs> so nice work good times okay john sponsor we have extreme endurance if you've been struggling with your fueling strategies on race day and you're trying to figure it out your way through the path and especially if you've struggled with really really super sugary drinks um, before fuel five by extreme endurance has five fuel sources it's the cutting edge energy carbohydrate formula made up of five different forms of fuel four different types of carbohydrate plus lactate so um, i've seen quite a few guys been using this really really effectively it's got organic 
organic sweet potato in their proprietary blend. Uh, it's got uh, electrolytes and vitamins B6 and B12 to assist with your recovery. Uh, and it's clean, light flavor for extended training. And I think that's probably the key thing for me is, yeah, it's got some really great fuels in there to help you get through your training. Um, when I've used it in my training, I have just found it to be not so sweet and a lot more palatable for, for longer durations. And I know we had one of the guys over on uh, over on Epic Camp uh, in 20, what was it, last year? Um, last year, and he was using it significantly in training and finding that sort of same thing was it's just not that, you don't have that same sweet sort of buzz that you get from uh, from a lot of the other sports drinks out there. So if you've been struggling with um, you know ways to fuel yourself on race day and you want to move towards a more of a, a liquid um, race fueling plan check it out it's fuel 5 and check it out xendurance.com it's 45 bucks to 47 dollars for a bag but if you use the promo code imtalk20 you'll get 20 percent off that and uh jobs are good okay john question oh xendurance.com uh questions and answers who sent this one through john so Pavel sent this through. So we were talking, again, we've got a bit of a drugs theme going through today's uh, show, but if you want to be saying no to drugs, go to cleansport.org. Um, but Pavel sent this through, and he said, I listened to your podcast where you talked about the recent ban and TUE, so that's Therapeutic Use Exemption, and there was some con- there was confusion. Here's how it works. As a pro athlete, you're obliged to disclose any medications and apply for a TUE before the competition. As an age grouper, however, Mm. or amateur athlete, you can apply retrospectively. So if you are a 55-year-old on testosterone replacement therapy, uh, he says it's pretty easy to find those. You don't have to tell anyone, but if you're requested, you have to provide all the medical evidence and documentation to get your retrospective TUE. So it won't work for someone who just wants to dope himself, but for legitimate reasons, yes, it will. Um, As for the... TRT itself procedure for pro athletes, it's not very good because you have to get off the meds for weeks to be able to establish a baseline, provide all the blood work, and then get the TUE to start the medication. So for age group athletes, it would be easier program given you can provide proper medical reason, then it will be up to the, the wider standards. So yeah, for, so for an age grouper, if you need to be having this and you can prove that, it's a relatively straightforward procedure. But if you're a pro that needs it, it sounds like it's a bit of a, a bit of a minefield. Well, what's really interesting with this one, John, is if we go look at the age group angle, the testosterone replacement therapy is coming quite popular just as a way for people to try to stay younger. You know, like if you, mm-hmm. in America, you can see it advertised on TV even now. And so is that cheating? Mm, that's a a good question you know because you could technically argue I went to my doctor and he said this is a good thing to keep me youthful or for my health in the long term but there's probably going to be an athletic performance enhancement that comes with that as well jeez it's a a muddled up world isn't it it's pretty murky isn't it Mm, yep so I don't know funny one Bevan it's a funny one yeah but yeah you know yeah yeah, yeah. Right, well, I, don't, I don't have this. Thanks for bringing that up. We both, yeah, we both don't have an opinion on it. Well, it's just it's a hard one, isn't it? Because because I also think you know I believe there'll become a time where you actually want to replace limbs with technology. I, I believe we'll get to a point, you know, when we look at what's happening around how they can now type with brain without any touch. So you know Stephen Hawking can write a sentence just by using his brain power, and how some of the limbs that we're seeing coming through now can actually give feedback to the brain, so it feels like people actually have the limb now i believe we're going to get to a time where i'm going to go you know what this knee's screwed just get me the technological knee that i can get and 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 it will feel and function like a human knee and if anything now that may not quite be in my lifetime but there'll become a time where these types of options will be available for people um but then you can kind of go well that's going to make me better as an athlete and so what happens to sport in those times Mm -hmm. you know it's a really fascinating as technology becomes a part of you know, the way we function in our life and, and when I think about the physical side of ourselves, what happens to sport in that, in that moment? You know, like it's, you know, one thing they talk about with baseball is a lot of baseball players get the eye surgery, which makes them see better. Now, is that cheating? Mm, exactly. You know, because it's such a murky water because technically if you're aging, you're losing your sight. So you get an operation to make yourself a better athlete. So why is it different to a drug to make you a better athlete? Thought-provoking, Bevan. Oh, Thought-provoking. Yeah. Mate, you know me. I, you know, deep thinker. This is my nickname, John. Okay, John. 
Let's wrap it up. We've got, we've got some patrons. Name some patrons. Paul Calder, the hack. He lives down the road from Bevan. Paul Yates, the creator. And blast from the past, Mike the Farnborough Fox Hewison. Nice, good old Matthew Price of Pain, Holtwick. And Darren Double O Jones. Double O Jones. Okay, Jombo, uh, quickly sponsors. Athlinks.com. Social networking for endurance athletes. And Extreme Endurance. Extreme Endurance, your elected buffer. And if you do want to become a patron of the show, go to www.iamtalk.me. Had a couple of new patrons come on lately. Thank you for those people. You're absolute rock stars. Send your photo through and we'll put it up on the website. John, what's your goss? I'm a bit over the rain, to be honest, Bevan. We always talk about the weather, but it's rained for like two and a half days now and I'm getting a bit sick of it. So uh, hopefully that's going to clear up. Outside of that, Bevan, it's... uh, But it hasn't been bad. It hasn't been cold rain. No, but it restricts your cycling ability when you're a wuss like me. I'm not going riding in in no rain. So that was a bit of a disappointment for the weekend. Um, Took the kids, you you know, Sharon Brophy. Christchurch. Yeah, I know Sharon. Oh, Shazza. Took a, took the kids out to see if a, a little photographic display out in Kaipo yesterday. Well, well, is she like an artist? No, she takes photos. Oh, Great took, photographer. What, Amazing. Took photos of the kids? No, no, no. She, she had a display on at a, um, at a, a like little... Like an exhibit? Um, yeah, exhibit. Yeah. Oh, wow. So she's made the big time. It was in the Kaipo Library. Did you buy a piece or was it too expensive? I didn't buy a piece, no. No, I <laughs> just, did not just, buy a piece. Just admired it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, outside of that, Bevan, just settling into another good week. I'm going to have Tuesday morning to myself. I know. Well, don't know what to me. do with myself. Oh, mate. I'll call you. I'll call you. you. Will you go for a swim or will you sleep in? I've got a meeting, so it's kind of, yeah, I've got a bit of a bubble-stop day. Oh, really? <laughs> so, anyway, it's all good in the hood. Training's going well. Starting to, My running's starting to pick up. Pumped out a nice little solid 5k the other night and what's uh, a solid 5k for you right now i was running 330 per k so i was uh, i was reasonably pleased with that nice 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 warm night so it's uh, yeah starting to come together I'm not going to run crap i run crap once this season it's not happening again that's right one day one day is really important the date yeah. is what's the date I think it's the 9th of july pretty sure it's the 9th of july 9th of july is when john newson puts it all together and wins Challenge Road. Yeah. Bevan, what's happening in your world other than uh, modelling in Auckland? Well, I'm uh, last weekend I went up to Nelson. I haven't been to Nelson in years. you know last time I went to Nelson, John? Epic camp. Yeah, it really was, and we stayed at the school. Oh, jeez, that one. That was ages ago. Or was that was probably the last time I was there. Right. That's a long time ago. I, I can't remember the last time I was there. And what was really funny was we were staying by the Tahuna camping grounds. And that's when I used to go as a teenager. So it brought back some good mm. memories. And we had a wedding. Uh, Joe's friend Lucy who was a bridesmaid at our wedding. We had that wedding. So Joe was a bridesmaid. And um, it was a horrible wet day. But uh-huh. luckily, the weather gods, John, every time we were outside, it cleared. It was unbelievable. Nice. Like we after because it was a church ceremony. We all went outside, it cleared, got in the car, it started pouring, went to get our photos, cleared, got in the car, it started pouring. It was unbelievable. You couldn't have picked it. It was so cool. And then uh, the ceremony was gold because they had this elderly couple and the priest was a mouldy guy and he was um, he was a bit of a character, but he didn't say, and now you kissed the wife. And so and so the guy didn't know, the guy was, it was the kiss was a little bit, a little bit awkward because he kind of went in for the kiss and he wasn't sure and then he, so he, he got the smacker in the end, but that was good. And then... <laughs> The the mouldy guy he was he was very funny he got us laughing heaps but he also forgot to get her to do her vows as well so <laughs> yeah, so, so there were definitely some missing components to, to the ceremony yeah and then uh, tell you what one of the one of the groomsmen made because they've got a they've got a beach house and somewhere not far from Auckland and he made this surfboard and then painted it with the story of their relationship and oh my god it was. Pretty impressive present. It was pretty cool. So I had that, and then uh, yeah, that's better. Running's going well so far. I'm not injured. It's encouraging. Nice. And uh, the one thing I'm trying to remind myself because I'm very much in foundation building. I always I'm just reminding myself foundation building run because I when I put certain music on, I just want to run fast. And I just goes no foundation building run. So I'm just foundation building. No speed yet. Still probably a month away before I try to push it hard. But it's, mm-hmm. I'm enjoying it. It's nice to be to be running injury free and just enjoying it. So Great. That's, that's my gosh, John. That's about it. Excellent. Yep. I'm Russ. I'm Mendo. Train hard. Train smart. Kia ka. Under an AR10, John. It's the first time in a while. Great. <laughs> right Dessert again. time. We'll see you next week, guys. <laughs>